Um, we've got a couple of things we need to do this morning, and that's why we're kind of packed a little bit. Uh, before we get to this part, though, we have another part. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but um, Cullen and Jessa Swearingen, Cullen, our student pastor, serve all pastor, they're going to have a baby. And so that is outstanding news. One thing, uh, and it kind of caught us by surprise. Uh, they kind of kept that secret from us. And so uh, one of the things that, that this church has done so well over the years has been taking care of the staff. And so because we have Jessa and a new one on the way, we need to increase our budget so that we can make sure that that little one has insurance, <laughs> okay? And, and so uh, this, was a, this is one of those oops that we kind of like. Uh, so, but we have to have congregational approval on this. So on April 10th, we're gonna come to you as a congregation and ask you for an increase in our budget of $5,500. And this is just gonna take care of some benefits for the Swearingen family, okay? And so if you have any questions at all about this, you can give us a holler, you can ask me about it, that's fine. But uh, we're gonna seek congregational approval on that on April 10th. April 10th. So make sure I have all my dates correct so we give you enough time to do that. Cool? So that's a good thing to celebrate. All right, this morning we have three baptisms. And we are... We are pumped about it. So allow me to introduce you to our first one, Tristan Spark, uh, Spark. <laughs> Tristan Stark. And uh, let's show that video real quick. My name is Tristan. Um, I am eight years old. <clears throat> I go to Wanamaker. My favorite color is green. Because I want to join Jesus because um, all I've gone through, Jesus has been with me. I want to have him forever. I want to be like him. I want to be his disciple. I just want to show the world I can be like him. Oh, yeah. And, um... I want to be a Hi, Tristan. We are also excited that you've chosen to follow Jesus and this exciting path in your life. Um, you chose at first Isaiah 41.10. It's don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Amen. Now, I kind of I got things a little out of order, so trust and just hold on for a second. Uh, so baptism this morning, I, I have to give this speech. So the word baptism was actually used uh, mostly in the textile industry. So I want you to look at the shirt that you have on right now and just shout out real quick, what color is it? Okay, wrong, 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 wrong. You're all wrong. That's the wrong color. Your shirt was white that has been baptized in, now say the color. That color, okay? That's how the word was used because wool came in one color, white. That was it. And in order for it to be changed, in order for it to be blue, black, red, crimson, whatever it is, crimson, I like crimson. Uh, in order for it to be that color, um, that has something happened today with crimson. Anyway, um, in order for it to be that color, it had to be baptized in that color. And then it took on all of the properties, all of the characteristics of that color. It became a new shirt, right? And now we no longer refer to that shirt as 
a white shirt that's got blue dye, but we say that's a blue shirt. And so this imagery works when we talk about baptism. Now, let me be clear. These kids have already made a decision to follow Jesus. They've already said weeks and months ago that they want to follow Jesus because Jesus loves them because Jesus died and rose again and, and they know they need Jesus. So, so they've made that decision way back in the past. And so their destiny and their identity has already changed, right? There's nothing magical about this, but there is something important about this, okay? And this is that outward symbol for them. This is gonna give them a marker in their life that said, I remember that day. I remember that day when I made public this decision that I've made inside my heart. And so when the days come where they have doubts and moms and dads, that is going to happen. There are going to be days when they doubt. There are going to be days where they behave like they do not know Jesus because we still do that too, right? This can act as a marker for them to go, well, I know that I know on that day I know that I know on that day. And so this kind of becomes one of these spiritual markers for them. It's also a spiritual marker for us because they're not just being baptized and celebrating this new identity, this new transformation that's taking a part in them. It's also kind of an identification that, hey, I've got a whole bunch of other brothers and sisters in Christ now to help me on this journey. So that's what we're gonna celebrate this morning. That's what being in the water means. Okay? You ready? Yeah. Come on. I'm not getting in. You wanna take off your socks? Okay, that's probably a good plan. Now don't, yeah, don't get me wet, man. Okay. Right, you're good, you're good, you're good. Turn around this way, turn around this way. There we go, good job. All right, I love this new setup, Tristan. You know why? Because I don't have to sit in the cold water. <laughs> so, how you doing? Good. Doing all right? You yeah. wanna sit down? You can sit down. Just go ahead and sit down. Don't lean back yet, we're not, we're not ready. You good? Yeah. Okay. So, are you, uh, listen, Tristan, you've made some pretty, significant decisions over these last few weeks. So uh, have you made that decision to follow Jesus? Yes. Because you believe that he died and rose again? Yes. And is this your call that you want to be baptized just to kind of tell everybody what this decision is? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, your mom kind of read the verse already over the video. And so now you're going to get another important person in your life to kind of pray over you, right? And it was Miss Karen Manor, our children's minister. So let's listen to what she has to say. Will you pray with me? Dear God, it's such a day to rejoice and celebrate because Tristan has asked you into his heart. Weeks ago, he talked to me about it. And today he's putting the world on notice that this is his decision. Tristan's only eight years old. He's got his whole life ahead of him to serve you and to bring others along. And we, as a church, wanna walk alongside him. So today I pray not just for Tristan in the beginning of his journey, but for us as a church and for me not to let him down, to be beside him and walk with him as he learns to love like Jesus. And all the people who rejoiced and celebrated said, amen. amen. Hey man, one thing that we've kind of forgot to do here in the last couple of times we baptized, but it reminded me, I want, you, I want you to see something, okay? 
I want you to see this. Uh, those folks that have been walking with Tristan and those folks that are kind of a key part of his life right now, would you, would you just kind of stand up real quick? Not you. You are the, you're the, you're fine. Just upward coaches who are, oh, take a look, take a look around, take a look around. You see those people? Yeah, they, they're crazy about you, man. So when, on this journey, okay, turn around and look back at me. Okay. So listen, we're going to baptize you, but sometimes on this journey, it's going to get kind of a little hard. Yeah. All those people that are standing up, those are people you can trust. Those are people that you can go to. You got that? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Okay. It's my honor to baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You want to cover that? Okay, here we go. <laughs> You hear that? Good job, big guy. So I'm not going to get totally wet. Okay. <laughs> Lily, where are you, Lily? Come on. This is Lily Smith. Are you ready? Come on. All right, we're going to let you get in the water nice and long. Okay, you ready? SFC. Okay, we're going to talk for a little bit. All right, we got a video for you. You ready? Okay, here we go. for Lily is her is her dad Matt and then praying over her is Allie so I uh, I appreciate you Lily because uh, you gave me a nice and easy one but if it's all right there's a story about that so like when we were first having this conversation um I was wanting to absolutely make sure that you know like she understood like what was going on and uh, so when we were picking her verse out she she picked you know Genesis 1 uh, 3 and it's just and God said let there be light and there was light so I questioned her about it and I was like hey do you you know why is this your favorite verse and she's I mean it erased all doubt from my mind as to what she knew what she was doing because she said dad God is light and he asks me to be the light for others, and um, that's what I want to be in. So, I mean, talk about putting an adult human <laughs> in his spot. And I'm like, oh, you know, who am I to question what's going on? So, Lily, that I'm so proud of you. Just wanted to say that again, and I'm going to get down now. So, thank you. All right, I'm going to pray over Lily. If you pray with me. Uh, dear God, thank you uh, so much for today. Um, it is an honor to be here to celebrate with Lily. Um, I just pray that you will continue to grow this love in her heart for you um, and that you'll help us, um, those that are around her, to um, encourage her, build her up, challenge her. Um, we thank you and we love you. Amen. 
Okay. So, <laughs> Allie's kind of got a fan base here. Um, so I want you to see this real quick, okay? So those that have been kind of on the journey with Lily and are kind of a part of her spiritual journey, would you just stand up real quick? Maybe an upward coach or a teacher or a family member. Just kind of stand up real quick. You see those people? Turn around, turn around. Gotta see Miss Dana. Turn around. Gotta see Miss Dana over there. Okay, you see those people? They're like, they're like your fan club. Okay. So when you have a hard time or you're wrestling with stuff, those are folks you can run to and they're gonna walk with you on this journey. Cool? You've made a lot of decisions in the last few weeks. You ready to kind of make some of them public? So have you decided to follow Jesus and this is kind of your decision, your call? And you believe that he died and rose again for you? And you want to make that public by being baptized? Cool. Well, it is my honor to baptize you, sister, sounds weird, doesn't it, sister? Sister in Christ in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You ready? Okay, here we go. You did great. Here we go. Okay, Bella. It don't matter, it's carpet, just get it wet. Come on. It's just water. Do not, yeah, okay, cool. All right. All right, Bella. You ready? This is the worst part right here. We have to watch you on video. Okay, here we go. Hi, my name is Bella Smith. I'm 12 years old. I go to Wanamaker Elementary in sixth grade. I decided to follow Jesus at summer camp because Okay, uh, reading for Bella is, is Allie, and praying is Dad, Matt. Okay, so we did the reverse this time. Cool. All right, um, Bella's verse is Psalms 119.105, and it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. All right, I'm going to try and get through this without being a hot mess, and... Uh, <laughs> That's why I like the verse. It was short and simple with the last one. Um, if you guys can uh, just pray with me real quick. <sighs> Dear Lord, uh, it has been um, just an awesome experience uh, getting to walk on this path with Bella and Lily. And um, I just, I'm so thankful that um, you know, she has seen you for who you are and what you're about, and that you love us more than anything, and there is nothing that can separate her now from that love from you. And uh, I just ask that this church family and uh, just just be with her for times of trial and questions, and uh, just help us so that we can help her be the best for you. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, so this is going to be kind of cool. Um, 
Oh, you're going to want to watch this, though. You're going to want to watch that way. Look that way. So if you've been on this journey with Bella and you've been a part of her journey, uh, coach, Sunday school teacher, uh, corrected her in the hallway running around, <laughs> any of that stuff, would you, would you stand up just so she can kind of see? Kind of see. Okay, we got folks back here. Hey, turn, turn around. You got folks behind you. See that? See Mama T back there? Okay. All right, so listen, these folks, I, I don't know what's wrong with them, but they think you're awesome. <laughs> no, they, they are huge fans of yours. So when stuff gets tough, and it will, these are folks that you can run to, right? These are folks that are going to love you and love Jesus in you and through you. Cool? Now, you've made a ton of decisions, and it's been a while for you, so I'm just going to ask you these questions, and then we'll... Well, go on. Now, you, you want to follow Jesus. And is it, is it your desire to, to be baptized and make that public today? Cool. Well, I'm super proud, and I'm going to try not to be a hot mess either. Uh, so it's my honor as a brother in Christ <laughs> to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, I know you started the pad and I know this, but listen, the water is still up here. So we're going to have a time of, of teaching and a time of worship. But if you're here this morning and God's kind of nudged you of, man, I, I've been following Jesus and I need to make this public. During the service today, I'll be standing in the back. Come talk to me. We'll get you baptized today right at the end of this service, okay? Or second service. We could do it in second service too. And if you're worried that you don't have a change of clothes, we've got that covered for you. Because that's how devious we are. Okay, <laughs> let's worship. Amen, let's stand together.
can have your seats. Morning, guys. Morning. I kind of feel like we already had our church. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like we could just go home now. <laughs> I don't know how you follow that. Lily and um, Tristan and Bella, I don't know if they're still in here, but congratulations. And it's true, um, as your church family, we are here and excited to, to walk with you as you continue on that journey that, um, that God has you on. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Suzanne. I'm the discipleship pastor here, if we haven't met. And we're just going to um, hear some more from God today. I really do think that he's the only one who can follow something like that. Um, so, so you guys know, I had a great, great group of friends in high school. And um, we, a lot of us went to college together as well and lived together when we were in our early 20s. And so kind of that season of growing up um, from becoming a kid to an adult, we walked with, with um, each other together a lot on that. Well, then we kind of all went our separate ways and we got married and we started careers. And, um, but when we turned 40, a little bit ago, not too long. <laughs> when we turned 40, um, we all went on a cruise together. We took a trip. We said, we were in this together when we were young. We're going to be in it together when we're old. <laughs> so um, we took this trip together. And it turns out a few things changed between the ages of 20 and 40. <laughs> Just a few. Um, and, and, and it was cool, though. It was really cool to see how this group of girls who had started out on such similar paths and in such a small circle had really just branched out and become um, who we were meant to be and how we'd become individuals. Now, I know this might surprise you a little bit, but back in high school, I was actually... I was probably one of the more shy and quiet ones. I think you could even describe me as timid. So I know that that might be a little bit of a surprise to some of you. Some of you may be wishing I still did that. <laughs> but um, I changed. I changed over that course. And so when we got back together around the time that we were 40 on that trip, I noticed something funny that was happening. On that trip, we all sort of started to uh, filter back into our identities of who we were when we were young. Being around um, each other and, and being in each other's presence from back before God had brought us to the place we were now, um, I realized that my identity, I don't know if the others did too, but I realized that my identity started to slip back away from that boldness and energy and into that quiet and that timidity. And it, in their presence, I started to become the expectation of who I was then instead of who God had made me to be now and who I had actually become. I think this um, idea of identity, who we really are at our core, isn't that something that we all struggle with on some level? Maybe not all the time, but at least every now and then. A few weeks ago, um, Grant shared this list of verses that went along with these three ideas. Remember, it was in response to fear of being secure in that we're accepted, we're secure, and we're significant. And by the way, we have a list of those back on the table for you if you want to grab one as you leave. Uh, but we started to realize as more than a dozen people asked us for that list, saying this is something I want to use either for me or someone in my connect group, we started to realize, you know what, we might be on to something here. And so we decided in follow-up to this mental health series, we're going to jump into this. We're going to talk about who I am in Christ and go deeper there. 
Now, you guys know I have three teenagers. Well, I have two teenagers, but one, well, she might as well be, (laughs) if you know her. (laughs) She's 11, but really. Um, (laughs) And I have to tell you that uh, my life right now in our home, I see this identity and acceptance issue unfolding literally before my eyes every day in their faces and the things that they're walking through. And I got to tell you, it is not for the faint of heart, (laughs) especially as a parent. I know it's hard for them too, but I'm sitting here as a parent going, this is hard. But I also know that it's totally normal. But our struggle with with acceptance, it doesn't magically stop when we turn 20, (laughs) when we're not a teenager anymore. It continues. And I think more than a few of us have that nagging insecurity that stays with us. Something inside that tells us we won't measure up, that we're not enough. So what's kind of our natural response? What are the things that we do? And as I was thinking about it, I realized I think there are two things that we do. We either try to achieve or we retreat. We try to achieve, and when we do that, we put all of our energy into performing, all of our energy into um, building ourselves up and, and, and looking okay so that we won't be considered less than. We avoid being vulnerable. We try to rule out every possible reason for rejection. We just stay one step ahead of that. And guys, we exhaust ourselves in that process. We do that in order to try and please people to please ourselves, or maybe even to please God. But the others of us, other thing that we might do is that we might actually embrace this idea that we will never measure up. Sometimes that becomes part of our identity. We retreat. We settle into this pattern of isolation, self-hatred. We bury our challenges. We push our struggles down. And they become so deep and so ingrained that we really, really start to believe they are part of who we are. Some of us give up hope of ever living in a place of security and acceptance. We achieve and we retreat. Is that you this morning? If it's not you, you can just kind of take this message and file it away. But I got to tell you more often than I would like to admit, it's me. I've been in that spot. But we know from these lists that Grant gave us and from what we know about who Jesus is, that as a follower of Jesus and because of him, I am accepted. That achieve and retreat pattern, that's not who Christ wants us to be. It's not our intended posture as a believer. So what is? Would you guys turn with me this morning on your phones or in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7? Luke chapter 7. We're starting in verse 36 and going to the end there of the chapter to verse 50. I have to tell you, I was was overcome a number of times this week as I was preparing for for the message. Uh, Now, those of you who know me know that once the faucet starts, it kind of just (laughs) keeps coming really easily. So I was telling Danny about it. I was crying. I was studying. I was crying. (laughs) I was on the phone crying, thinking about it randomly in the shower, crying. (laughs) So all of these things, I just think it's such a simple story, but it's a beautiful picture of the true acceptance. It's It's just overwhelming. 
Let's start in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. This is a pretty simple beginning to a story. Um, we find ourselves here in the be- kind of the early stages of Jesus' ministry. This is the beginning. And so he's been out and about preaching and teaching in the region and people starting to notice him. They're starting to uh, catch the attention of people, including this man, this Pharisee, and his name is Simon. We'll learn that a little bit later. He's one of those lawful religious leaders at the time, the Pharisees, and and. Probably the Pharisees at this point, they're not like on DEFCON 5 alert yet for Jesus of like, this is something bad, but they're like, there's starting to be some contention there and they're wondering who he is. So when he invites Jesus to dinner, we, we really don't know if it was because he had a genuine interest in getting to know who Jesus was or if he was trying to set a trap. And we know that kind of thing has happened as well. But either way, this was not like two buddies, two friends, two close close acquaintances sitting down for dinner. This was really a relational kind of testing of the waters type of meeting. And then, then this woman enters. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, she's described here as a sinful woman, an immoral woman, and many people over the centuries have presumed that she is a prostitute. She, she may have been, but we're not actually told here in the passage exactly what her sins are. But we know that whatever they are, they're public. They're out there for the world to see. Everyone knows. She has a notoriously bad reputation. And she would not be on the top of the list for a dinner invitation to the house of the Pharisee. In fact, she was not welcome there. Now, it would have been normal for her to have this um, oil with her. It was common for women at the time to carry that oil around. In fact, they were allowed to keep it on the Sabbath, to keep it close to their bodies um, and close to their hearts. That's how important it is. So she wasn't welcome at this dinner, but we can imagine she had heard the message of Jesus. She had been out to one of the times that he was teaching and among the crowds and seeing um, and, and seeing uh, how he was um, um, preaching and teaching these new things, these wonderful things, how he was doing different miracles. And so in that process, what he's saying, who he is, it captures her. It captures her. And she starts to think, is this true? She starts to hope Maybe it is. And this woman who carries this notorious sin and shame around on her shoulders, the rejection of the world and the whole community, she starts to believe that maybe, just maybe, through this man Jesus, that he could change her. Not just in the eyes of the community, but intimately, inside, personally, at who she is at her core her identity. And so the promise of this, the, the excitement, the idea of this, it takes her to go find him where he's having dinner at this place. And, and I don't know if this was in like a sense of boldness or in a complete sense of desperation that she seeks him out and goes to the one place that she shouldn't be, 
to see just Jesus, hoping against hope that he's real. Because if he is, wow. Here's what she does next. Then she kneels behind him at his feet, weeping, weeping, overcome. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and pouring perfume on them. The anointing of someone's head with oil would have been a common thing at a dinner like this for someone of honor. But I just imagine the oil, it didn't make it to Jesus' head. She was laying at his feet so overcome that it spills out on his feet. She anoints him with her tears and with her hair. Can you imagine you're sitting at the dinner table? (laughs) You're sitting at the dinner table. You're trying to make small talk again, navigating this relational situation. And this woman comes in and starts behaving in this wildly appropriate way. Especially this woman. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I've experienced some truly awkward moments at (laughs) dinner conversations and things like that. But nothing, nothing like this. From the outsider's perspective, everything about this was wrong. From the woman being there, falling at his feet, weeping. The very fact that her hair was down, that would have been considered very immodest and immoral, just having her hair going loose in the first place, let alone wiping Jesus' feet with it. Kissing his feet, wiping her tears, spilling precious oil. All of that, completely inappropriate. And how ridiculous that must have looked to the rest of the dinner guests that were sitting there. I can imagine they're sitting there waiting for Jesus to to stop it, to say, come on, lady, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. Stop the insanity. But guys, Jesus doesn't stop it. He accepts her. This picture demonstrates the first thing that we'll notice today in our um, passage about God and his acceptance, about who he is. And that's that God is personal. When you think of that interaction between the woman and God, there isn't anything more personal than that. It was extremely intimate. I mean, you have this woman's soul splayed out for all to see, including the very people who would be her condemners and oppressors in everyday life. She probably has shame just oozing from her. And yet, she's lying on the floor weeping and lavishing love in this this most ridiculous way and vulnerable way to a man who could be her savior. It was an excruciatingly intimate act of worship and Jesus accepts it. He accepts her, showing us an intensely personal God. Then in our our story, we're not going to put it up there, read through it today, but the attention shift to Simon for a little bit. And um, Jesus is, and Simon's sitting there thinking, what we kind of just described is like, okay, if Jesus knew who this lady was, he would not be allowing this. He would not let her touch him like that. Um, He's just thinking this, mind you. It's in his head. He doesn't say it out loud. But Jesus addresses him and says, Simon, I have something to tell you. 
And so he goes on to tell this parable about debts and forgiveness and about loving little and forgiving much, all of those things. There's so many points in there that we could go in today, but today we're going to concentrate on the relationship between Jesus and this woman. And so this is what happens next after he corrects Simon. He turns to the woman and says to Simon, just pause that for a minute. I love this. He turns to the woman because he wants her to hear what he has to say. He's still speaking to Simon over here. And okay, that's important too. But right now his priority and his focus is on her, this woman, worshiping at his feet. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Guys, Jesus didn't just tolerate her act of worship. He was pleased. He was pleased. He's not okay, just okay with this um, most vulnerable form. It's what he desired. I ran across this description in my study. It said, Jesus noticed neglect, like in Simon, and appreciated devotion. He did not reject deeply emotional devotion. So regardless of the condition of this woman's life, he was pleased by her outpouring of love. Note this, note this. He wasn't just pleased by her perfection because she wasn't perfect. He was pleased by her worship. He wasn't pleased by her perfection He was pleased by her worship. What do you think that worship and outpouring love, what do you think Jesus knew that represented? Think about that for a minute. I think he knew that it meant love, trust, humility, repentance, All of those things wrapped up in this display of of equal parts elation and equal parts desperation. And he did that, he allowed that in the midst of her imperfection. It pleased him to accept her love and it pleased him to love her. Jesus shows us um, then next that God is love as we finish this passage. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. I think we see evidence of God's love all throughout this passage. He loves her like a father in the way that he embraces this emotional display that she had. It reminds me of when Aaron was young and, um, you know, Danny used to go to her tea parties (laughs) or to let him, let her paint his toenails pink. (laughs) You know, those things that we might think are, um, are silly and foolish to the outside eye, but to him, he's just right there with her. He loves her so much. Of course he wants to be there. We see his love when he makes that shift, talking to Simon, but looking at the woman, making sure she knows 
Your sins are forgiven. You're my priority. And isn't that the ultimate act of love? Your sins are forgiven. I think she realizes in that moment at his feet that the, she has this father who is pleased to accept her. Yes, her. Her, the woman who carries this notorious sin. The most egregious and ugly things that you could imagine. This woman who's deemed unacceptable and unlovable by herself and by everything else, his love wipes that away. And he fixes the cracks. He fills in those empty places and creates her new identity in him. That's our story. And it's probably one you've heard before. And I think definitely the idea of God is love. Don't we hear that all the time? The woman and the Pharisee in this story, they're hearing this for the first time as something new from Jesus who they'd never heard before. But for us, it's easy to think, ah, God is love. And kind of go on. If you've known him for any period of time, you might know that's true of him. But perhaps you have a harder time believing that it's true for you. It's true for you. Maybe after you get through the day-to-day in and out of knowing Jesus and walking with him, and maybe even after some really, really amazing Jesus moments, you realize that you're still stuck in patterns that cause you to doubt whether you are truly accepted by Christ. If you still find yourself achieving or retreating, maybe we can take a piece of this woman's story and make it our own. Did you notice that the the woman's actions towards Jesus are a reflection of who he is to her? The woman's actions in, in the story towards Jesus are a reflection of who he is. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> isn't that what we're supposed to do is to imitate Jesus? And I think when, I know for me sometimes, when I think about imitating Jesus, I think about, oh yeah, I'm supposed to take the love of Jesus and pass it on to other people to show what it's like to, to kind of pay it forward. But what if, what if it was just as much about reflecting those things back to him? How would it please him and how would it change us? I think we can do some things that Jesus did and that the woman did for, as well. First, we can make it personal. This is what we take from today, guys. Make it personal. Accept his truth for you. Not just in general, not just for somebody else, not just for those notorious sinners, but for you. Accept his truth for you. Did you know that Jesus' sacrifice on on the cross, it wasn't just a duty that he had to fulfill. It wasn't just a requirement of an angry God. It was his pleasure. It was his choice. He wanted to do that for each of his children that he loves. And he does it for the world, but he also does it for you personally. Being a Christ follower, guys, it's not just about religion and checking some boxes and going through some rituals and routines. In fact, that's not it at all. Those rituals and routines, they point us to this personal, deep, give and take relationship with the one who is the God of the universe, yes, but he's also the father of your heart. 
We must make it personal. The second thing we can do, we can take pleasure, just like Jesus did in the worshiping woman at his feet. I want to call her that now, the worshiping woman, not the sinful woman, right? (laughs) We can take pleasure, of course, in Jesus and Jesus himself, but we can also take pleasure in our imperfection. Have you ever thought about that? We can take pleasure in our imperfections. See, we're a work in progress. Do you remember Counselor Corey Schleip said that last week? He talked about sanctification and this process of um, becoming more holy that um, no matter who we are or no, no matter what we've done, God has something to continue to do through us. We say this in our blessing. He has something more to teach us. We, are, we ourselves are never going to arrive. We'll never be perfect. But... <laughs> Check out Colossians 2, verse 10. This is on our I am accepted list, the very last one. It says, so you also are made complete through your your union with Christ. You are also made complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. See, just like the woman, all of these parts of us that are messed up, that are empty, that are broken, All those ways that we don't measure up, Jesus sees those. And he's pleased to come in and fill them, complete them, finish them. It's what he chooses to do. Um, My daughter, and I know a few other kiddos here at Western Hills, uh, takes art classes at a studio here in town. And there's a sign hanging up in there I notice every every time I go in. The slide is this. It says, finished, not perfect. So I ask her, what does that mean? And she says that a piece of art may never get to the point to where we're completely satisfied with it, where we can say, this is perfection, there's nothing else that I can do. There's always something to tweak and change in that journey to perfection. But if we do that, it never comes out of the studio. Its beauty is never able to be seen. It's never able to be enjoyed. There comes a time to say, it's finished, not perfect. Guys, I think that's what this Colossians verse is saying to us and what this woman is demonstrating to us. In Christ, we are completed. We are whole. That happens just at the moment that we choose to follow him. But it doesn't mean that we're perfect. He makes us complete. We can take pleasure in who he has made us to be right now and our ability to come before him even as he's continuing to work in us. We're finished. Not perfect. And the last thing I think we can take from this um, uh, story is to demonstrate our love. Don't be afraid of this. Jesus didn't reject deeply emotional devotion. In fact, he noticed it and he was pleased by it. I think we are the ones who reject it because we're embarrassed or because we don't think we're good enough to be so vulnerable in his presence. Can I tell you that the environment that you're in the music that's being played, the people who are standing next to you, the condition of your life, your achievements, your failures, 
These things don't matter. (coughs) They don't matter. And when you find those things holding you back in your worship and having your soul splayed before your King Jesus, I want you to recall the story of this woman. Your worship isn't about you, but about the the desire of your heart for Jesus. Your worship isn't about you, but about the desire of your heart for Jesus. As we leave here this morning, I hope you remember one thing, and that's this. I am accepted by God because of who I am in Christ. That's my identity, finished not perfect. At the end of the day, our intended posture isn't achieving or retreating, but worshiping at his feet. I'm gonna have the worship team come back up. (coughs) And we're gonna have uh, spend some time doing just that as we close this morning. Let me pray for us. Gracious, heavenly, personal, pleased and loving Father. I pray for each of us, Father, that we would, um, we would have the posture of the woman at your feet, that we would give ourselves over and abandon to you, to who you are, to who you've made us to be, Lord. Help us embrace the idea that we're finished, we're finished in you, even if we're not perfect. We love you, Lord. So um, we are going to spend a little bit of time in worship here um, this morning, and we are going to practice being our genuine selves before God. When I was on that cruise, there were several times that I had to stop and tell myself, I am behaving not like who I am now, but who I thought I was back then. And I had to stop and be calculated about saying, no, be secure in who you are. So we're going to practice some of that this morning. (coughs) Now, I did not grow up in a tradition that in any way, shape, or form was expressive in worship. It just, it wasn't. And I remember when God had gotten a hold of me and um, was pushing me to these different environments, I remember the first time um, that I... I raised my hand in worship, but really it wasn't really raising my hand. It was really more like a bending of my elbows. (laughs) Like maybe no one would see, but I remember it. I remember where I was standing. I remember the song that was singing because for me, it was an act of obedience. And it brought me to that place of emotion and devotion, even though it felt totally uncomfortable. And I also remember the time since then that I've been laying flat on my face in prayer, that I have fallen to my knees in desperation, just like this woman did, asking God to heal me, to show me. So as we enter into this devotion time this morning, can you, can you take the posture of the sinful woman in you, whatever that is? And let me tell you right now, if you listen to this message, you don't have to be perfect to do this and you do not have to do this perfectly. This is what God is speaking between you and him to his heart. All you have to do is to be genuine. So so we're not gonna ask you to stand and worship. 
You can do that if you want to. You can stand if you feel like standing before him. You can raise your hands if you want to. If that's genuine to you, if you wanna dance and worship or fall to your knees, you can do that. You have permission to do that. This room is yours this morning. You can sit, you can kneel, you can walk around. Do whatever is genuine for you. And if you wanna be baptized, you heard Grant say it. I'm completely serious. This tub is up here right now and you can do that if that is a genuine response for you to Jesus right now in your life in this time. It's not just for kids. This is about your response here. And finally, if you've never met Jesus, maybe this is it. Maybe this is your moment. You can meet him today without any expectation of who you are or who you were. You can run to the Father. And if you do that for the first time, tell somebody. Rick will be here, Colin, Grant, myself, any of our leaders. We're available for you. So whoever you are, wherever you're from, come to your personal father who is pleased. He's going to love you and he's going to receive you. He accepts you this morning. Let's see.
Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning as we worship together. And if you're a guest of ours today, we'd love to know you were here. You've got connection cards on your seats. You can drop them off in the kiosk in the lobby or down in the south uh, lobby at the welcome table. Uh, also, if you made a decision today, uh, come find one of us that you've see on, seen on stage. We've got some folks standing in the back too. Um, we'd love to know that you made that decision or you can write it on your connection card that way as well. So uh, again, thank you for joining us on this just wonderful morning where we could celebrate baptism and learn about who we are in Christ. Before we go, let's read our blessing together. In Christ, you go nowhere alone. Wherever you go, God is there. Wherever you are, God can work through you. He gives purpose to your being there. Christ, who dwells in you, has something to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in his grace, love, and power. Go be the church.